Hey, this is Heath Paget, and welcome to the RV Entrepreneur Podcast, Episode 77. The RV Entrepreneur is a weekly podcast for nomadic entrepreneurs. I'm recording today from Lake Ontario up in upstate New York. We've had the windows open all week, and this is why we love RVing, because we can be up here and not blistering hot in Texas. <laughs> Before anything else, I do have an announcement that I am genuinely excited to talk about. Alyssa and I are releasing dates for the next RV Entrepreneur Summit next week. So if you want to be tuned in and potentially come and attend our next conference, you can go to therventrepreneur.com and enter your email so you can be on the wait list. If this is the first time you're hearing me talk about this and you have no idea what the heck I'm talking about, last year we hosted our first conference called the RV Entrepreneur Summit. The goal is to bring together a community of nomads, people running a business on the road, or people who are currently transitioning their life into being on the road and still are sorting through ideas on how to make that happen logistically, transitioning their business, or tinkering with different business ideas. So we brought in speakers, people who had been running their company on the road for quite some time and had a lot of experience and community and basically just had a big party together. And it was awesome. <laughs> so if you want to see the dates for our next RV Entrepreneur Summit, go to the RVEntrepreneur.com and enter your email so you can be on the wait list for that. Today on the podcast, my guest is Charles Gupton. Charles is an award-winning photographer, videographer, podcast host, and farmer. You may have noticed some of his work before, although it's doubtful you knew that it was his. For the past 36 years, Charles and his wife Linda have built a production company in Charlotte, North Carolina. And their primary niche they carved out was for stock images. So during a time when companies like Target, Walmart, and many others would buy these photos in bulk, they still do, but they paid really well during the time for stock images, Charles and Linda made a great living selling and shooting stock photography until they decided to leave that life behind and go start farming full-time. Random, but that's what they did. They recently started traveling across the country in an RV while shooting some documentary work. And over the past years, we've gotten to know Charles and Linda really, really well. Alyssa and I met them like a month into our first year on the road, and they were really encouraging. And since then, we've jumped on a bunch of phone calls, and then they invited us to come and stay on their farm. And so that's where this podcast was recorded. Charles is one of the best question askers, interviewers <laughs> that I've ever met. And uh, so I asked them to come on the podcast and interview me for today's episode. And we cover a lot, but some of the high points that we talk about is how to differentiate your services when talking with potential clients and why for better or worse, nobody cares that you live in an RV. Over the years, Charles has bid out on a ton of client projects, 36 years of running his video production business. So he has a wealth of knowledge when it comes to pitching and landing clients and what do they want. We also talk about process-minded thinking and outsourcing while running your business on the road and how that's been helpful for us so far and the best advice I've received about building a business while traveling full-time. And we talk about much more than that. Support for today's episode is provided by Outdoorsy and WeBoost. Outdoorsy is the largest and most trusted RV rental marketplace on the planet. Alyssa and I rented out our Winnebago Brave on Outdoorsy on several occasions like Christmas and spring break while we weren't using it, and the entire experience was awesome. At first, the idea of renting our RV seemed a little crazy. What if somebody wrecked my house? But with Outdoorsy's one-click insurance coverage and driver history background checks for renters, it makes the entire process safe, super easy, and fully insured. If you already own an RV, Outdoorsy can be a great way to make extra income by renting out your unit. We know renters who have made over $20,000 in one summer by renting out their RV when they weren't using it. 
or if you're looking to test out the RV life for a road trip, I would highly recommend using Outdoorsy's RV rental marketplace where you'll find RVs of all kinds, everything from large class A's to smaller vans and everything in between listed for rent at affordable prices. And bonus, you'll get to rent from dependable owners like us. To learn more and get $25 off your first rental fee, go to outdoorsy.co slash partner slash RVE. I want to thank today's sponsor, WeBoost, and the new 4GX RV cell phone booster. This cell phone booster is something I wish we would have picked up the day we bought our RV because I can't tell you how many times over the past three years we were in truly beautiful places outside of national or state parks, but we had to leave early because there was only one to two bars of Verizon and we couldn't get any work done or it wasn't fast enough to record a podcast over Skype, which is kind of a big deal. The 4GX RV cell booster can take that signal, multiply it up to 32x, and then rebroadcast it throughout the entire RV to give us a significant boost in internet speed. This means more time in beautiful places and faster internet wherever we go. WeBoost's new cell phone booster is made specifically for RVs, and if you want to receive a 10% discount, you can reach out and email me directly, heath at campgroundbooking.com, and I will hook you up with that discount code. Go to weboost.com to learn more about their cell phone boosters. All right, that's all for today's sponsors. Let's get into the show. All right, today on the podcast, my guest is Charles Gupton. Charles is a photographer, storyteller, videographer and farmer in North Carolina, whose farm Alyssa and I happen to be parked on at the moment. He hosts a podcast called The Creator's Journey, just recently got back from his inaugural RV road trip with his wife, Linda, where they were doing uh, some documentary film work. And I brought him on the podcast today to turn the tables on me and interview me a little bit about RV life and balancing work, travel and everything else on the road, since this is something that he's doing at the moment. And Charles, I'm not trying to just brag on you and kiss your butt. Charles is one of the best interviewers I've ever met. I met him three years ago when Alyssa and I were one month into our hourly America road trip. We had dinner at a little restaurant in Portland, and you asked me a question before we left. You said, how can I be encouraging to you? And uh, that was the first time anybody's ever asked me that in my life, and I just remember leaving there thinking, wow, that was probably one of the coolest questions I've ever had. So I thought while we were hanging out here on the farm this week, it might be cool to have you on the show and ask me some questions selfishly because you're a really good interviewer and maybe you can dig into some things that uh, we haven't covered yet that's still valuable. Hey, thanks for having me on the show. <laughs> it, it's it's such a privilege. I'm feeling a hot pressure now to come up with, the, <laughs> with better questions than ever. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. I'm, I've been just uh, just thrilled uh, and honored to be a buddy of yours and from a distance watch the great success that you and Alyssa have intentionally formed. You you didn't just drift out there with some kind of uh, touchy-feely plan. You went <laughs> at your, your first project, Hourly America, with great thought and intention and a lot of hard work. And it was a great inspiration for Linda and I. And I've just considered it a privilege to stay in touch with you and be inspired by you. So thanks. Appreciate it, man. So let's start off uh, just for, for clarity and catch me up a little bit. Uh, how do you describe to people the work that you do these days? Because you've had your your hands, your mind in filmmaking. You've been 
building an RV life around helping RVers and working with campgrounds. And you've just got so many talents and abilities. And you've got one of, uh, at least to me, one of the sharpest marketing minds. You just, you think, you and Alyssa both just think so clearly and are so helpful for people in being able to articulate uh, you know, branding and media and you know, just how to to get a message out there to people while still staying friendly and, and engaged. So, so how do you distill what you do and, you know, in a day, each day, what, what keeps you excited about it as well? Yeah. So for anyone listening right now, I, I brought Charles on because he's a really good interviewer, but also I just knew he was going to sit here and give me praise for like an hour. So really, <laughs> this is just a big ego boost this entire... No, I'm kidding. Yeah, so so the first part of the question is how do we describe what we do to people that we meet? Uh, I, I'm terrible at this, but uh, for the most part, it kind of depends on the context of the conversation. If somebody genuinely wants to know what it is we do and they're not just saying, you know, what is your work? Uh, you know, I, I'll probably go in a little bit deeper and explain why we travel, live in an RV, and I'll kind of craft a tiny little 60-second story around why we hit the road, did Hourly America, our first year on the road with the documentary, and how that's led into a lot of the projects that we do now around uh, the content that we push out here on the podcast, the blog, uh, YouTube channel, et cetera, uh, the summit, and everything that we do in the RV side of things, you know, also producing content for companies like Winnebago, Go RVing, et cetera, and then also with campground booking. So it kind of is all over the place. So I, I don't like getting into the nitty gritty unless somebody genuinely wants to know. If somebody's just at, asking a surface level question, what did it, you know, what do you do, Heath? Uh, I may just say something very bland, like I, you know, I work in software and uh, do videos or some, you know what I mean? Because sometimes people, they ask, but they don't really, they, they just want a little tiny answer. They don't want to hear your whole life story. Just making conversation. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I ask that because for the the listeners of this show, as I understand it, are, uh, as, as we are, folks who want to, to make their living while they're on the road, or at least part of their living. Uh, Linda and I have been doing communications work for 37 plus years, and we've done work overseas. We've done work around the country, but we've never done it from an RV full time. And as we started looking in that direction, realized that that changes things a little bit in terms of where you are working, how you're engaging with people. But it still seems to me that from a client's perspective, it's important that you're that you're a professional, yeah. that you can still deliver. Like how how was y'all's inaugural RV trip down to Charleston where y'all were y'all were shooting a bluegrass festival? Well, we, yeah, we were working, we're, we're doing a documentary on kind of the legacy, the next generation of bluegrass musicians, the ones who are carrying the uh, kind of the legacy of, of the music forward. And so it was, it was successful. We had a couple of really good interviews and a couple of things fell through, as they frequently do while yeah. you're on the road and doing things. So it allowed us to have a little bit of off time, which I want to talk a little bit about in, in a little while, that, that balance. But the important thing, I think, for a, a lot of folks who are going to be on the road or in, in business, even if you're working inside of with your home or an office park RV, it doesn't matter, it seems to me, from the client's perspective. They want to know that you can deliver your service and deliver it professionally. So I started out asking you that question because a lot of people have difficulty talking about what they do that differentiates them from other people. Mm -hmm. Just because you're an RV to the client, I don't know that they give a they give a rip that yeah. hey you've got a cool lifestyle but if you're an accountant who has a cool lifestyle but you do poor accounting 
you're probably not going to maintain that business right. for a long yeah, time. Yeah. And if you're doing film pieces or you're a consultant or doing IT work, it's important to be able to differentiate yourself from other people in the market. And it's important that people are aware that you're going to be able to deliver what they need. So it seems to me, as I've talked with folks, that it's important for them to get that part of their business thinking down mm-hmm. before they're on the road Right, having yeah, to yeah, distinguish yeah. themselves totally. from other things. So I wanted to go a little bit into how you have differentiated yourself. And as you're, I mean, you have talked with so many, many folks through the Facebook group and your summit and just on a regular basis doing meetups. You just do an incredible job of bringing people together. And I'm going to make an assumption that there are a lot of similar questions that come up about how you do what you do and how they can do something different. Uh, so maybe starting a little bit with how you differentiate yourself in your mindset and how that leads to to helping other people figure out what what distinguishes them from the other people that are in their field yeah. so they can begin to think about that in their branding and how they introduce themselves so that people go, wow, you're the guy that or, or you're the team that can really help you know, yeah. with my solution. Totally. I mean, I mean when so going back a little bit. Uh, in 2014, right before we hit the road, uh, I was doing software sales and I, I was basically just had an entry level job, right? Right. And I knew that there was a lot of things I wanted to do. I wanted to start my own company. I didn't know if it'd be software or you know some other type of technology or whether it wouldn't be tech related at all. But I guess in the back of my mind, I was reading all these business books about you know these successful leaders, you know guys like Richard Branson, whatever, and basically just l- looking at their life and thinking. If I want to be able to do something like this, I can't do the same thing that everybody else is doing. And so thinking about where, where the inception of Hourly America came, didn't, I didn't necessarily know, you know, like the famous quote by Steve Jobs is like, you can't connect the dots looking forward, but looking back, you kind of can. Right. And with Hourly America, it was just one of those things where I felt this was going to go give me some type of differentiating experience. And I have no freaking idea how or if it could even apply to anything in the future but maybe that it could, and at the very least, it gives us this different perspective and opportunity to jump outside this because I was looking at the trajectory that I was currently at, you know, like, okay, maybe I rise a little bit, you know, get a better, become a manager in sales and, you know, maybe a VP or something and maybe the company goes public or we get bought. So, you know, like I, I was looking at this kind of trajectory that I was in and not feeling like that was potentially where I wanted to traject myself. I don't know. Uh, you know what I mean? But so I guess I was looking at it like, how can I get experience that's going to allow me to provide something different and a value uh, so that's where I kind of started from a baseline. And I think there was another question in there that was, how do we communicate that value to clients? Well, uh, well, yes, a, a couple of questions. I tend to, to front load a, yeah, lot, yeah, of, yeah. a lot of thoughts. <laughs> I do the same thing. How, how do you communicate that value? But I'm also thinking of, of the other folks who are planning on getting on the road and the myriad businesses that people have seem to be endless. But what many people, at least in our work, when we're working with companies to, to help them with their communications, they're so inward focused at, at times about what they do. They don't realize uh, when they introduce themselves or talk about what they do, they sound like everyone else who's in their space. Mm. And they think, you know, ask, you know, what is it that separates you from everyone else? And I go, oh, we deliver the best value <laughs> at, uh, at the, you know, the lowest cost and we're friendly. And, we're, and I always want to ask, so... Are you saying all of your competitors are Don't unfriendly, <laughs> the highest price, and the worst service? Yeah. And they go, well, no. They go, well, then what makes you 
different and better. Uh, because living in an RV and working in an RV is totally cool. It's wonderful. But there are stresses that come every yeah, day, which we can talk it's about. It's not a differentiating factor for a client to hire you, in other exactly. words. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, what differentiates you in such a way that it doesn't, your lifestyle is not getting in the way of it. It is, your lifestyle becomes a part of the story. And, you know, you as you've talked about in some of our conversations, when you're working with somebody and they know that you are on the road doing this work, they go, that's cool. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And it colors the story positively, but it doesn't take away. If if you were saying, "Well, I'm on, I'm in an RV and we're we're working, but we're going to be out of communication for three days because we're in an RV," right? That would not help the story at all. That would yeah. hurt your your professionalism. So the the my first thinking is, or my first thought is that differentiate differentiate yourself from wherever you are now, and how do you keep that and maintain it and just build on that story. Mm-hmm. from your RV, but also make sure the RV life doesn't get in the way of being yeah. a professional. Yeah, does so, that make sense? No, it does. Yeah. So uh-huh. thinking about uh, differentiate ourself uh, when we're talking with clients. So I guess it helps to define what exactly client relationships we have and I've had the past year or two. So for a couple of years, the predominant client relationships that we had, we were doing film and video work, helping people produce uh, online educational courses. And so that was our, our video work that we were doing. And then we'd have one-off uh, things where, you know, Alyssa would go film a wedding or things like that. And I don't think that that necessarily, com- you know, applies to that as much. But when we were, especially when we were talking with people uh, that we were potentially doing courses for, or even clients uh, like Winnebago or people, even, you know, companies who are sponsoring the podcast right now, a couple of them, you know, they were technically people who've come on as in a client type of relationship. We have deliverables for them, right? And so I think when we first started, gosh, I'm trying to figure out a good way to answer this. Uh, you know, I think the fact that we had a different story when we first started, when we first hit the road, that of was, course. yeah, that that was super helpful for them uh, because they saw that there was a lot of intentionality that went into why we chose this lifestyle. But then as far as like getting the actual client, um, you know, I just think showing them the the other work that we've done, obviously the referrals have been super helpful, but you know, for instance, the, the video stuff, uh, you know, we're shooting six videos for campground as we're going up the coast this year, uh, for Jellystone parks. And we just did a free video for campground this past fall and it did really well on Facebook with like 85,000 views. And so we just take that and show other clients and say, here's how we can deliver for you because we're traveling around. So you don't have to, you know, talking about differentiating. If you wanted to hire out a local production company, it costs them a lot, but we're actually RVers. You know, we have a community that we can also share this with. And uh, so there's a value proposition there. Uh, you know, we're already going to be coming through. So subsidize the cost of our our, our our time to stay at your park or whatever. We'll shoot this video for you at, at a lower cost. And so there's, there's a lots of clear value propositions there. And I'm not sure if I answered that question. That makes sense? Yeah. One of the things that distinguishes you, in my mind, when I say you, the two of you, starting on your, your first project, is that you did make a commitment to visiting all 50 states. Mm. You set out with an intention, and you followed through on it. That's a huge deal. A lot mm. of people make up big plans. They talk about big dreams and things they want to do, but they don't follow through. Yeah. So the fact that you follow through and stuck with a project says that you know you guys are dependable. You're professional. No, and that's so a good point. Everything yeah. else that you do can go back to the fact that you keep your word and that, uh, yeah, again, a lot of integrity in your work. 
I also think you've got an authority uh, foundation, if you will, in campgrounds and experiences in campgrounds because you've been, you know, I, I'm going to imagine you've been in some places that uh, you felt like you had to keep a gun by you at <laughs> night or something. You were you were afraid that you, you don't know where you you are. You've been uh, boondocking out uh, far away. You've been in some really upscale places, so you've seen the gamut of campgrounds. You've had the 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 gamut of experiences right. from really great uh, to probably fairly poor service in places. So you know what a lot of people are going to face when they go out there. And it may be something you take for granted, but because of that base of knowledge, that puts you in a place that a lot of other people have not been. I mean, so Linda and I could jump out there and say, oh, we want to be authorities in campgrounds, but we've been to fewer than a dozen yeah. uh, different places. Uh, so we don't know nearly as much. So that, that that base of authority differentiates you as one huge factor. Uh, so again, I'm, I'm thinking about the listeners who are, who are thinking through what they're doing. What kind of authority do they have in terms of, of differentiation? And also, what are their clients going to see that, hey, these are folks that have not only value, but they've got integrity and they keep their word. They're not just blowing off that, oh, we're great at, you know, whatever, <laughs> yeah. but there's no basis for it. You've got a pretty darn good foundation and basis for what you do. Yeah, and, and it has been helpful, uh, even with campground booking, as we've been reaching out to campgrounds to be able to say we've been on the road for three plus years. Right. We've been to a lot of parks and, you know, you're, you should be doing online reservations. You should have a Facebook page, whatever. Uh, yeah. So yeah, you've seen it. Yeah, totally. You've experienced and, it. <laughs> and it's coming from a, a place of experience and, and, and actually genuinely wanting to, to help and, and make them better. And that's another thing. You want to help people. And I'm, and I'm not just blowing smoke here You know, in talking with you. There's a genuine desire to help people and add that value into their lives. Uh, so I keep going back. If somebody's planning their business or they're, or they're going to be on the road doing their work, how can they integrate that, not just in the, the copy on their website, but really in, integrate that into their values? Because mm -hmm. it, it seems to me that uh, social media aside and social media considered – that really being known for your integrity and the value that you live out in your work is huge on social media because word gets around when you don't yeah, keep totally. your word and <laughs> if you're not doing what you say you can do. Um, so that seems to be something that you you do well. To me, it, it, it's an important consideration for someone who's jumping into this space to yeah, keep in mind. Totally. Jump over and, and talk a little bit about mindset and process. It's it's they're two of my favorite topics uh, in in my work as well as on my podcast. I'm constantly trying to uh, kind of suss out how people work and the attitudes that they have about what they do. Uh, I've tried to simplify my way of thinking uh, somewhat just to, to help me as I'm planning my day and, and week and the things we're doing into the value that we offer out into the world. I call that my contribution, yeah. you know, what we deliver into the world, whether we're paid for it or, or we're not paid for it, it's still what I'm giving to others or, or putting out. And then the other is how do I recharge, you know, my vitality, uh, exercise, good sleep, diet, uh, having time to, to rest or, or play. Uh, and, and we've had conversations about this already, how difficult it is for the two of us, yeah. you and I, to both take some time off and rest, but it's really integral. It's, it's, it's absolutely critical right. to have that and restore so that we can give ourselves uh, that kind of energy to, for contribution. So my thinking uh, comes from that, 
that, and, and as you already know about me, I think a lot in Venn diagrams. What I want in my <laughs> life is for that vitality of what is energizing me to overlap with the contributions I'm making, the relationships that we have. So I want to, to integrate a little of that in our conversation. Talk about uh, how to do that, because when you're getting your RV and you hit the road, uh, some people may look at your life or look at someone's life and go, oh, when you're in an RV, it must be just all fun and games. You're out there just playing and having a good time. Every day's a vacation. But if you're working, it can pretty pretty soon turn into a pretty small cell that you're a prison to. It's a mobile cell, but it may be that you're in somewhere and you sit inside working all day and your life just deteriorates, your diet, exercise. Yeah. So there's got to be some routine, some process to thinking work and then get out and play, eat yeah. well, uh, rest, do those kind of things. So talk with me a little bit about some of the, in the, in, in the last three years, I'm, I'm sure there have been some routines that you've had to set in place so that you get your work done but that you also have some time to get on your mountain bikes or get in your kayaks yeah. or, or even getting in the hammock and, and reading some. Um, I mean, I don't know if you want to talk about this. A, a couple of days ago while we were here visiting, we got off on our bikes and got uh, got ourselves onto a, a heavier mountain bike trail than we anticipated. <laughs> it was getting. intense. It yeah. was pretty intense. And it was, it was almost three and a half miles of, of pretty intense trails we were riding. And we but we came off that trail, and I felt like I was on cloud. <laughs> if cloud nine's high, I was like on cloud thirteen. It and you was guys great. did you guys did on a tandem bike, which was impressive. Yeah, we we were we were trying to rock it on a on a hybrid uh, tandem with road tires. When we came off, we were really excited. <laughs> but I realized that's an integral part of the vitality. Are we having Are we having fun with our lives? And can that fun and that enthusiasm transfer over into the work we're doing? So that when clients see a show up, they're going, these people really love life and they love yeah. their work. They're not just hunkering down, working all the time. Yeah. Right. Miserable I, people. So so tell me some yeah. of the, 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 the hacks, the, the tricks, the tools, the things that you've picked up that can help other folks when they're looking at a yeah, like on the road. Yeah, like stuff I've read on the internet. Yeah, yeah. yeah if yeah. it's on the internet, it's yeah, all yeah. true. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I, I we've had different seasons of this where when we first started traveling – it was, you know, we were doing Hourly America, two, three jobs a week, uh, doing this documentary and writing a lot of posts and trying to find clients, learn how to do video. So that first year, we we would meet up with people on the road, uh, you know, random extended family or people who would reach out and ask, offer us up, up a place to stay. We ended up just like sleeping on the couch or something those several days when we were meeting people because we were so exhausted all the time. It was just pure exhaustion. And then uh, the next year, instead of doing as much traveling, the pace was slower because we were paying off student debt. And so we probably, I think we stayed at one campground for six months that second year as we were in Austin, you know, 360 bucks a month. And we were trying to build up the runway to keep traveling and uh, to kind of pay down debt and, and keep our income growing so we could keep doing this whole RV life and enjoying it. And then now... Uh, you know, we stayed a month in Myrtle Beach last month and we're doing a lot of one week stays along the East Coast this year. And I'd say that there has there's a lot more. I feel like we have more of a balance now than ever, even though I've probably complained about it or <laughs> not complained, but talked about it quite a bit on the podcast lately. It's just my struggle with that that balance because I'm, I'm 26 and I want to hustle and I want to keep building something and I want our business to do well. And I'm trying to get a software startup going and I, you know, eventually we're going to have kids in a few years. and I want to make sure that we have enough income to support and and keep 
having the freedom that we have, but I also right. don't want to look back on this period in my life and, and feel like I frittered it away because I was worried about stupid work all the time. And I know you talked about this too. You guys did a trip to Europe and you were so worried about work the whole time that, and Linda just wanted to explore Italy that you, you know, you look back on that and regret it. And I don't, I don't want to do that with right. this period of time that we're in our life right now. And that's probably one of my biggest fears is that, uh, and it's 100% in my control is that I, I spend too much time worrying about stuff that I'm not going to remember in two, three years and not enough time enjoying my, uh, time on the road with Alyssa right right. so yeah that's that's where I'm at right now as far as a whole and as far as like our day-to-day stuff our day-to-day is pretty straightforward wake up uh hopefully around six but sometimes not so much today I woke up at nine but I try to wake up at around six every morning and uh afternoon coffee yesterday kind of kicked me in the butt but uh wake up go we typically go for a walk I'll do a little bit of reading journaling dive into work and then uh we'll typically take like an afternoon nap break around two o'clock work a few more hours and eat dinner and I don't know that's kind of our standard day and then every now and then you know like we went bike riding the other day and we'll integrate it's fairly similar schedule I would think as far actually I don't that's probably not true somebody somebody who is stationary and works for themselves and works out of their house I would think a probably a very similar schedule as far as that's concerned yeah. What people need when they are working in an office or at home or wherever is to plan some time to either go to the gym or to exercise or walk their dog or, or do whatever. Uh, when you're in an RV, again, it can be, it seems to me that it can be a lifestyle that you can easily overlook exercise if you don't have some kind of routine. You know, again, a yoga mat in your place that you can stretch yeah, and yeah. and you know, work out a little bit or, again, get out on your bikes or go for walks to remind yourself that's a critically important part of what you do. So we, uh, with our yoga mat, we started doing this thing recently where we throw our yoga mat in the floor in the morning. And uh, it's a reminder for me to do my push-ups and sit-ups and Alyssa to do her stretching. And if one of us does them and uh, the other one hasn't, we basically are annoying the other person throughout the day, just saying, Alyssa, you need to stretch so we can get this stupid yoga mat out of the floor. And vice versa, you know, if she's stretched and I haven't done my push-ups, then looking at this yoga mat in the middle of the floor is just a a way to remind her to remind me that I need to get my crap together. <laughs> right. And and that's part of the, the original question I was asking. Are, are there some... I guess we call them tricks or hacks or tips, uh, tools, whatever they are that remind you that you need to do certain things to keep some balance. Uh, actually, I'm, I'm getting to where I don't like the word balance anymore. Like yeah. it, it, it indicates that there's integrated, be 50, but it's integrated or blended. Yeah, yeah. So, so during the day to blend uh, in a little bit of exercise. I, mean, I, I think the best thing. Okay. So, I mean, we typically do one to two walks a day, so we'll go on walks and that's then like, great. Yeah. And so we'll typically do that. And I know that's not hardcore exercise, but at least we've built that habit in together. It's kind of the warm up and cool down for the day, if you will. Right. But honestly, I think the best thing that we've done is have time like this with you guys. Have times uh, with our friends Kara and Nate who came and stayed with us a couple weeks ago because it was it was probably the best balance we'd had. Other people who are working and while they're traveling, and so it's uh you know we typically knock out a bunch of work during the day, but we block out our evenings and our late afternoons to spend time with people. So it forces us to be more intentional throughout the day. And then also still get that, I, I get filled up, you know, hanging out with other people and having that quality time and community, which we don't get that much. And so that has been the best way to integrate more of a blended, I guess, life, you'd say. Otherwise, 
there's a lot of days, most days, where I say we quit working around four or five and we eat dinner, but then we, after dinner, you know, we pick up our computers and we get back to it till 9.30. So I I think having other people around has probably been the best way to force myself to be cognizant of how I'm spending my time. And also, it's a lot of peer pressure to go out and see and explore things in the area. Because if, if people are, you know, they have this perception of, you know, your friends coming to visit and you're in an RV and you're traveling and then you just sit there and don't do anything fun. I feel like I need to do more cool stuff with people around me. So right, right. it's a peer pressure thing and it right. works. And and I touched on this already, but I want to ask you a little bit about tools, not so much for the tools themselves, but for the mindset around tools. We'd had a conversation in the last couple of days about how much time you had spent at one point or numerous times building websites, redoing mm. websites and just days upon days. Of course, you got to learn how to, to whip out a, a website in under a day by doing it before finally buying a template and realizing you could save a lot of time. That's kind of a tool, yeah. but it's also a mindset about how you use use tools so that they are serving you versus you serving the master of things. Yeah. Does that does No, that totally. Sense? Yeah. So the t- basically tools that have helped us spend less time working and maybe it's more outsourcing, whatever. Yeah. So, so and kind of a mindset around that. Again, yeah, if you're totally. outsourcing, yeah. some people think I got to do it all rather than, oh, what am I really strong at yeah. doing and keep my energy and passion up. So again, that's, right. that's outsourcing is kind of a tool, if you will, for our, our mindset about how you work. Yeah, I, I was killing myself doing the podcast editing. I if, you li- if you've been listening to the podcast for a long time and you listened to it last year, you know that I was not intentional. Or I wasn't... I wasn't great at releasing episodes on every Tuesday. You know, one would come out. There was one month where I released three on one day. That was the only three I, you know, I don't know what the heck I was thinking. So having, uh, and I was pulling my hairs out, actually sitting down to edit. It wasn't something I enjoyed. And having somebody come on and, and do the editing for me was one of the best decisions ever. Even though the podcast wasn't monetized at that point, it was an investment for us, but it was totally worth it because that freed me up probably 20 hours a month to focus on other things that I enjoyed that could move our business forward. And for us, it's been really scary to throw dollars at things that aren't yet giving a a for sure return on investment because it's basically me saying, okay, well, I'm going to take these 20 hours the next month that I just invested $250 in an editor for the month. And I need to go find something to cover that and fill that void. And it's having the confidence that I guess to go out and do that. And so having, that's been one practical thing is, you know, having an editor to come in, uh, it's I guess you could say outsourcing it has been super helpful. Uh, as far as other tools go, uh, OneNote, I love that. Uh, the journal I use it for journaling every morning, and I can look back over any day over the past three-plus years of travel and see where we are, what we are doing. And I feel it's the best way to track long-term growth because we're so far uh, – it's hard to see long-term growth in ourselves, but for me, that has been the best way because I can look back and see what I was struggling with three years ago and realize, man, you were you were dumb uh, or whatever. You know, I can look back and see those things that I was struggling with and it's it, I love it. And uh, so OneNote's been awesome. You can download it. It's a free uh, app. Uh, ConvertKit is great. It's our email marketing software. So we have uh, you know, a free course on how to travel on two grand a month or whatever. Everything we learned in our first year of travel and the RV on using stuff like Passport America to 
you know, get keep cheap campgrounds and stuff. And so having that drip out over the course of seven days is just as good as me sending, you know, all those folks an email each day. So little practical things like that email automation, other things that I've built in, you know, choosing to bring on my co-founder, Paul, to help build campground booking versus trying to go get funding or anything or try to do more of it myself or learn to code or anything like that. You know, that was another way of, I guess, bringing in areas that I'm not as good at. I know that's not necessarily all tools or softwares or, or systems, but I guess there's systems in, my, in the mindset around why we're doing exactly. things the way we're doing, yeah. Exactly. And again, much of this is systems thinking. It's yeah. thinking in, in terms of, I mean, there's so many words to use for it. I use process and mindset, but it's attitudes and habits or it's you know systems and uh, scheduling or totally. whatever. But it, it all comes down to how we think about our work, how we think about our lives, and intentionally putting those pieces in place yeah. as opposed to just hoping and wishing that things fall in place. I would say uh, to layer on that, not to cut you off, but going back to that, I would say the big, like a big struggle for me has been, or I guess a big solution is uh, for me has been paying people what for whatever jobs that I know I really want to get done. And I value That's huge. Yeah. And, and it sounds, it's so simple, straightforward, but we struggled for a year to get hourly America edited. Like I thought about it, all the time. It haunted me and I would sit down from time to time, but we had no idea how to edit a documentary. We'd never done one before. And so I would pull up the footage and I would come up with ideas all the time about what it could possibly look like, but none of that was productive. It wasted time of my life. It wasted my mental bandwidth. And then finally we just said, look, these two months, we are going to hire an editor to help us with a documentary. It's going to cost us three grand a month for these two months. And we need to, you know, do a, a little bit of crowdfunding to for people who have been following our journey and want to watch our documentary and, and appreciate the concept that we're doing to help fund just those costs. And it was scary because we we decided to jump in. And even if we hadn't raised that money, we were going to pay him. But because we sat down for those two months and put a, put money down, it was the best investment ever. And it was been the same thing for the podcast. And it's like, I realized that having somebody that holds me accountable in these areas that I really want to grow in and really want to do better in has been one of the best things ever. And I, I guess a struggle for us as you know, we've been just starting and probably for other people too, is you're like, I don't, I don't have the money and bandwidth to do that. And so that's, I guess, where I've come up with some of these concepts for I say, if, I, if I'm going to be saved 20 hours a month from podcast editing, can I find a way to replace that income in another area and maybe even make twice as much doing something else? And the answer was yes. And so it's kind of scary because it doesn't always work out so cleanly, but that's been incredibly helpful for us. Yeah. And something that a lot of people don't think about until they're under the weight of it is the weight of that anxiety. The entire time you were under that the weight and the worry of getting your your documentary edited that's pressure that's keeping you or worry that's keeping you from being being creative on other fronts or following up with clients or doing things that you're really excited about because that baggage of anxiety i mean it's just just disproportionately heavy right and and just takes a huge chunk out of our soul if you will heart and soul to get more productive work done well, I imagine that a lot of people probably reach out to you and Alyssa for advice about working and living full-time in an RV. What are a couple of the most common bits of advice that you'd like to be able to tell someone, even if they don't want to hear it, but that you believe that everyone needs to hear? 
Uh, make sure to get a solid internet before you hit the road. Otherwise, it'll be a huge point of stress if you're working. I, that's probably the most practical, you know, biggest one. Big deal. I didn't I didn't just bring WeBoost on the podcast as a sponsor because they gave me money. That's one reason. But it's because it's extremely helpful. We're here on the farm and it's helped giving us faster internet so we right. can work. Uh, so not relying on, uh, you know, just the RV Park Wi-Fi because RV Park Wi-Fi is terrible. And, and also just, it's kind of, it was a stress for us the first year to have to go to a bunch of coffee shops, especially because we didn't have a tow car at that point. So internet's probably the most practical, straightforward way and and thing that people ask about the most often. There's a new uh, plan by AT&T right now. It's called the Mobley and it's 20 bucks a month for unlimited AT&T internet. And it, uh, it'll plug into your rig. It was originally made, I think, for Chevrolet trucks to have Wi-Fi, but they made an adapter so you can plug it into your RV in a regular plug and have it going all the time without having to have the engine on. And a lot of people have been saying really good things about that. We haven't got it to test it out, but internet's a big one that everyone's always asking about. Health insurance is another one um, that is, again, another pretty straightforward one. But actually, I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. It's not straightforward. It's the least straightforward thing in the whole world right now. It's so confusing and convoluted. Why is it ever? Yeah. And so we ended up going with the health sharing plan. And uh, a lot of them are through through, uh, faith-based organizations. Uh, and you don't have to be tied to a church or anything like that because Alyssa and I don't have a home church or anything like that. We don't have, like, we don't go that route because we don't have one. But uh, we went through Liberty Health Sharing, and we've heard from a lot of other RVers and also Alyssa's parents who have worked in the healthcare industry that this is what they do. I'm not, I'm by, only, by no means like giving advice because I don't want anybody to come back and say, this is what you told me this and you're an idiot. Um, right. <laughs> but because I'm always hesitant when it comes to something like healthcare because I'm just like, I have no idea what the heck I'm talking about. But uh, it was it's been stressful to figure that out. Like we we went through a, a company called Health, it's like RVers Insurance Exchange. But it was as much for just Alyssa as this health sharing is for both of us. We pay like two fifty a month. So I think figuring out the healthcare because not all healthcare plans will cover you full time as you travel like in different states. So I would just be cognizant of that. And if you if you have any questions, Alyssa did write a blog. We'll link up in the show notes on this one, or just email us, and we'll try to be as helpful as we can. But you know, it confuses us as much as it does the next person. So, <laughs> well, well, usually it's not the big stuff that trips people up. Somehow, people think they need to plan for these huge occurrences of things that might go wrong. Well, people people are always freaking out about mail, and I guess because I never really. I, maybe it's because I, I, everything we do is electronic, but everyone's like, what do you do about mail? You get a mail forwarder, you know, like it's not, it's right. the literally the easiest process. You know, Escapees is a company that does it in Livingston. And so they'll forward your mail and scan it for you when it comes and everything else is electronic, you know, because most companies are cognizant of that. So it's like, the, Absolutely. It's a, but it's something like, oh my gosh, what do you do? It's, it's the most easy <laughs> thing. So, uh, yeah. Well, as I said, it's it's people often think if they plan for really big things, they'll be you know they'll be all set. But it's frequently kind of small things in life that trip us up that uh, that cause the days to go wacky, or our whole week gets off, and we look back and go, "What was that small thing?" Uh, I, I think a lot in terms of communication and marriage. You know, people think it's the big stuff that you argue over, and and frequently the big stuff people can work out, but sometimes it's the smallest of things because you're running on too little sleep or you're hungry or something, and somebody says something, and the next thing you know, you're into some some argument or whatever, and you look back on it and think, that was the smallest thing. How do we get <laughs> get wrapped up in something like that? So I guess a couple of questions here. I mean, one is that, you know, the small things in communication, but also the small things in life that you run into. 
what if, what counsel would you give, you know, if someone's asking how to, again, plan for their life on the road uh, to, you know, there's an expression, don't sweat the small stuff. But again, I think it's the small stuff that we, we stub our toe on because we're looking at big stuff. Uh, if, uh, what are a couple of the, the, maybe the small things that you look back on, you think, you know, I didn't even look at that, but that, uh, you know, that knocked me out of the loop for a little while or, or silly things that could get in the way of uh, communication. Does that make sense? I mean, no, what are some yeah. little things that people need to stop and go, huh, I hadn't even thought of that before. Y- yeah. yeah, that's a good question. And I'm going to come back to it because I don't have a good answer, but I'm, yeah. <laughs> So I will come back to that one when I think of something, but I did, I thought of something else that is a kind of a big thing that there's two different, I think there's two different sides of this when you're looking at transition into life on the road. And one is the, I I love this quote. I don't remember who said it, but the green lights will all never align. The stars are never going to line up for any, for there to go be, you know, a perfect time to go travel. But I would say, and I totally believe that. And so I think the big thing is obviously or one of the biggest things probably that would have held somebody like us back is just this, this, all the fear, the, it's like the accumulation of fear of the unknown. Like right. what happens, you know, all these things in the back of your mind, like, well, I'm going to be traveling around the country with my wife. Is it safe? Um, what, you know, what, uh, what about jobs? So it's the, it's not just one little thing. It's like the accumulation of every possible thing that could potentially go wrong is holding back. But I think on the flip side of that, on the practical end, we've seen some RVers who have hit the road and uh, because and, and I hope I, I would never say this in a way that pushes people to do this before they're ready, because I have talked about how we paid off debt. But we also had a, you know, a cushion, a savings and things like that. Like we even though we jumped into this relatively early, there was a plan and a runway to make sure that we were OK, even if, you know, our finances ran dry or client work ran dry. And so, you know. I would just want to encourage people to be cognizant of that as they're looking at transition to the lifestyle. By all means, like it's never going to be perfect, but at the same time, like you can, it can be, you can be smart about it and it not be perfect and say, you know, for us, it was, we're going to go travel for seven months around the country and we're willing to let our bank account get to this amount. And this is enough to give us three months of, you know, uh, time to go out and find a job and things like that and et cetera. You know what I mean? Just kind of planning and being thoughtful of that. I would, I would say. Right, right. You do such a, an incredible job of, of being wide open and vulnerable and, and showing people you know, behind the scenes of, of your lives. We all have weaknesses and, and things that, again, cause us to stumble a little bit uh, or maybe a whole lot. What are, are there any patterns in your life that you would like to change? You know, is there kryptonite in your life? Any weaknesses that, that you're still working on that, as you talk about, would help somebody else to evaluate their own because frequently people think oh here are my strengths and this is what you know i can do without looking at oh here are a couple of places where i'm weak that i need to get that mindset or that and you just touched on it an attitude about fear i mean i think a lot about fear you, you've probably heard the expression death by a thousand cuts right and i think of it as you know this whole weight of fear but it's really an accumulation of a lot of small things that if you just chip away at the small fears you really eliminate that huge obstacle. Um, so, and the same thing kind of with weaknesses. Sometimes they're just small things that we stumble on. Is, are there any any patterns, any weaknesses, any things in your life that you're still working on that if somebody else looked at it went, wow, that really helps me see that I'm dealing with some of the same things as well? Uh, I, I mean, I don't know necessarily about how it could necessarily help them, but I'm full of crap sometimes. So there's that. Aren't we all? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, sometimes I... 
especially when I'm around Alyssa, she's the biggest person to fact check me. Like, so I know that if I'm ever like, for example, speaking at our summit or something like that, you know, we're in front of 120 people and up on stage. But if I say something that is actually not true, I just tend to exaggerate sometimes, you know, like I guess it's a natural salesman inside of me or something like that. But I'll tend to say, you know, there was, you know, this much that happened or it was this big and Alyssa would be like, nope, that wasn't true. So that she's she's been really good, even though sometimes I'm like, you know what, Th- that did not help my story. It, you know, like anyway. So anyway, that is kind of a, a kind of a joking one, but it's also true. Um, other things, I, I tend to overthink stuff, and I waste too much time. So I, I that's spend, a good one. I spend so much freaking time on social media that it's ridiculous, and I know that it's not it's not returning the amount of time that I'm putting in. That the, the return on investment for the, what I spend on social media is not worth it. Even though we have main relationships with clients, I've gotten demos from campgrounds for our software company from. Uh, social media and that connection, I I like to tell myself there's this great grand scheme of uh you know potential return for our business, but if I'm being practical, it's not true. <laughs> it's really not right. true. Yeah. So our, our our Facebook group, I've put it. You know, we've put a lot of time in there. You know, over like 100 to 150 requests a day to for people to join that Facebook group. Uh, and Alyssa does almost all. She does all of that now. And, but I would say that community has been really valuable. I think social media in general, not to go down a different rabbit hole, but the Facebook groups are the closest interaction in a social setting that I think in an online setting that I think mimics reality. Like if you act douchey in a Facebook group, it's almost the same as acting douchey in person. It's the most, like on in Instagram, you can post the highlights of your day and how great life is, rah, rah, rah. But on a Facebook group, you like you just have to be a normal person because it's that it's the closest setting to reality. So I think that's just an interesting. Yeah. So I think spending less time on social media, making sure that I'm super intentional on uh, how I'm spending my time. Every now and then I'll list out my things I want to do that day and I'll put a amount of time next to it and allotment of time. And then have and then like I get through the end of the day and I realize I've done two of the things that said I was going to take 15 minutes. And I'm like, where did the rest of the day go? So I think always trying to figure out how to actually make sure I'm focusing on the task at hand. I probably jump on too many phone calls. I enjoy calling people and talking to them. Uh, You know, I have a podcast, so I I enjoy the conversation element and keeping in touch with people. So I could probably do less of that, too. Uh, Yeah, those are a couple things that come off the bat. Well, I think those are good to hear because frequently... I think it's helpful when people hear that other folks are struggling with the same things and go, wow, that's me too. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just a reminder. I mean, I, I often, when I'm reading a book, uh, I'll highlight something and sometimes I'll highlight something that I already know, but I feel like by doing it, it helps me remember it and see it again and again. And hearing you talk about the struggle with social media is, is kind of a highlight to me to recognize that, uh, I, I like to think a lot about the 80-20 rule or the Pareto principle that you know, 80% of your results are somewhere in that area come from about about 20% right. of your efforts, that it usually doesn't take that much social media effort to bring most of the re- results you're going to get. And, Without spending all the time on there. Yeah. Right. The, the, I guess the law diminishing yeah. return. That, like, that, like if I spend half as much time like outreaching to potential clients for campground booking as I did on social media. And I'm embarrassed to admit that, you know, we would have a lot more, you would be probably a lot further than where we're at right now. Right. And just by acknowledging, even talking about it now, there's an accountability or a thought that, huh, 
I do the same thing or this, the struggle. So thanks for sharing and being vulnerable in that area mm -hmm. because a lot of people want to hide uh, their weaknesses and only look you know, the, the facade that yeah. we all have on social and, media. And it's depressing now that iPhone battery life tells you exactly how much of your day that you just spent on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook. And so now that accountability has become greater. It, not accountability, but just throwing it in your evidence. face, you know, like evidence. Yeah. How much time you just spent on there and realizing like, you know, if I was pouring this amount of time that I put on Instagram into my business, uh, you know, unless my business is on Instagram, which, you know, it's not. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Some life there. Yeah. What is the best advice that you have ever been given that you believe that could help others who are in the process of planning their journey and their work? Hmm. Hmm. Crap. I, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you it was a good question because it would go straight to your head. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if this is necessarily the best advice, uh, but I think, but I think it's probably the most practical thing that I think about on a day-to-day -day basis. And that I've talked about the most on the podcast, which has to do with focusing on your financial runway, which is something that came up in episode two That's huge. from a guy named Adam, who is a CPA and an RV entrepreneur. But, you know, this idea of, you know, it's something startups think about a lot, like what's your burn rate? What's your runway? If you don't, if we don't make any more money, we're going to be out of business in so many months. It's something that. I feel happens quite a bit in the startup world and that's why they have to go back and raise more money and things like that. So I think I thought about our financial runway quite a bit uh, as we've been on the road because we we didn't probably go the smarter route, which was building up a, a good business before we traveled and transitioned to life on the road. Like you right. guys have been doing photography and video for 30 years and building a good client base and then you can go transition that business to being on the road. So we did the latter uh, or the, the former. And so being out on the road and constantly having to be cognizant, especially early on, how much are we spending this month and how much money do we have coming in? Because there's been some months where it's next to nothing and some months that are really, really well. And so just trying to figure out how I can focus on revenue generating opportunities and also cutting costs that aren't exactly relevant at this time has probably been the best thing. Because if you run out of if you run out of money and, you know, we run out of financial runway, like we have to go home and, you know, get a job and that's not the worst thing in the world, but I don't want to do that. And I want to keep traveling. So making sure that I'm thinking about cash flow first, and that's not necessarily something I talk about a lot, but it's, it's yeah, critical. The, yeah, totally. The financial runway element, because like if if I don't if we don't keep that going, then nothing else matters. Like no, nothing else that we talk about the systems, whatever. Like if there's not revenue that's coming in, so therefore it forces me to focus on things that are going to produce revenue. And if I get distracted from that, to come back to that and say, okay, well. Maybe this month wasn't as good as it should have been. I should have done a better job of invoicing clients that I had already done work for. You know what I mean? Things like that. So again, that's not the that may not have been like the raw raw type of answer that uh, you were uh, looking for, but that's, probably the most straightforward. Yeah, I think it's one of the most important, and and it's exactly what I was looking for because I think that we often put all of our other kind of dreams, schemes, and plans in place and don't think about what's going to fund it. And again, to use the runway analogy, if it's if it's too short, we're not going to get off the ground and, and be able to fly, and all those dreams and and desires and ambitions of our heart are going to they're going to crash yeah. and or stop right there. And on that really on that critical. note, I've I've one thing I've realized is that also I'm I suck at uh, projecting future revenue opportunities. I'm I'm overly optimistic in a lot of ways. So having to learn Most how to are. yeah, having to learn how to be realistic. I thought when we first started that we would be able to pick up 
maybe additional sponsors or, or freelance opportunities and realizing that I almost always overshoot what I think is actually going to be coming in. So learning how to set realistic goals and say, okay, I, I'm going to actually give myself twice as long to, you know, get campground booking up and off the ground or whatever, or, you know, whatever potential project that I'm looking at and also bump up our potential expenses by an extra 500 to a thousand dollars because RV maintenance comes up or gas is a little bit more expensive one month or whatever. And so I think that having to learn how to look at those in a realistic way has been a huge learning curve, but also it's, it's helped cause least less stress for us as we've been on the road because you know, maybe we're actually hitting these really, really low projections that we that we thought about instead of creating ones that were unrealistic. Yeah. And as, and as a last follow up to that, yeah. that question, uh, hopefully a fun question for you as you look back on it. Is there one great piece of advice that you got that you did not follow that you that you wish that, huh, I should have listened to that or thought because frequently we 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 fish around for the advice we want and follow it. And we don't want to pursue what we don't want to hear, but frequently we'll look back and go, yeah, I should have listened to that or I should have done that. It would have saved me a whole lot of grief. Yeah. So advice that I didn't listen to that, that you, I wish that you did not, but in retrospect, I wish I would have, you wish you had listened to or anything that could help folks for, Hmm, maybe I should listen a little closer <laughs> or do, do what was told. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's hard to discern sometimes where it's bad advice or good advice we just don't want to hear. Well, we bought an we bought a new RV when we've been really big on telling people to buy a used one, especially first right off the bat. And I've talked about it in different episodes if you've been listening. And because of the reason why was Winnebago gave us a good discount and, you know, basically gave us ongoing contract to do client work for them on behalf of the brand and things like that. And so that was what helped, you know, they basically helped us cover that initial depreciation cost that happens when you normally drive off the lot. And so that's one piece of advice that I ignored, even though I've given it and received it also on many occasions, because RVs are if you're looking at it from an investment standpoint, they're literally the worst investment in the entire world. Like you're buying something that costs as much as a house and depreciates worse than a car on many occasions. And so that, I guess that's probably the biggest thing that I have ignored. Uh, and again, the only reason why has been because of that relationship with Winnebago. We would, we could have bought a, you know, Winnebago rig that, you know, and not bought a use, bought a new one. But anyway, I think because of the, our relationship and the opportunities we've been given to get feedback and actually have input on some of the new products that are coming out, give them feedback on their rig, and honestly have conversations with their manufacturing team, you know, their 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 managers and things like that, about how they can help adapt RVs to modern workers on the road, et cetera. I think that value has been worth it for our goals in this space, and it's kind of helped out. Whereas then if we wouldn't have had that relationship again, I don't think it would have been worth it to buy new. And I know we wouldn't have bought new in a, you know, a million years. I don't think that would have happened. So anyway, that'd probably be the biggest one by use. When you first start out, it, it lowers the stress, you know, maybe you have to learn how to fix stuff, but you can figure it out if I can figure it out. So you're gonna have to figure it out some point anyway. Yeah. You're gonna have to figure everything out. <laughs> That's right. Hey, thank you. Yeah. Thanks man for being on the podcast. Uh, make sure to go hit up Charles podcast at the creator's journey and uh, maybe stop by and buy him a cup of coffee or ever in Raleigh. Thank you. I love coffee. Thanks, right. thanks for this opportunity. Thanks for visiting. And yeah. All right, man. It's been fun.
Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to today's episode with Charles and myself. If you want to grab the show notes, head on over to heathandalyssa.com and click on podcast. That is the archived podcast page where I have all the episodes and all of the show notes from previous episodes up there. So you can check that out on our website. Thanks again to WeBoost and Outdoorsy for sponsoring today's episode. And if you want to be on the wait list for the next RV Entrepreneur Summit, go to therventrepreneur.com and enter your email and we will be announcing those dates next week. Thank you guys for tuning in and I'll see you all next time on the Beyond Entrepreneur Podcast.